Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Awkward and Black. It's been a minute since the last time that you heard or saw anything from us other than the COVID episode that got uploaded at this point, I think a week or two ago. Um, but obviously, a lot has changed because a lot of things are going on on social media. And yeah, I really don't have anything else. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, a lot has changed. Um, I know we've been talking about changing a lot of the platforms in this as well, but of course, our last episode was about COVID, and now this episode is hard to ignore what's currently going on. Of course, it's hard to ignore it when you are Black as well. Um, we might as well start off with that and See where it goes from there, actually, to be honest with you. Um, I don't even know where to start with this. To be honest, I'm um, I'm numb to it. I'm fed up about it. It's every week, every month, every time I turn on social media, someone's dying. I've seen a video somebody put up where they remixed the DMX song. But instead of saying girls' names, he was there's literally a name for every single person who died. The fact that they were able to remix the song with every person who died at the hands of police who was black, and they were able to get through the whole entire song, like two verses in a row, was just it was jarring to me. And um to be honest, I just I just want to be honest. I, I feel like people don't care, man. I'm going to be dead-ass honest with you. I feel like people who are not Black don't care. I, I'm not here to pander to those people, and I'm not here for those people to pander to me. I really don't care if we lose viewership over this of those people, because fuck them regardless. I really don't care. Um, I feel like I've experienced racism my entire life in Canada. And I feel like the last five years since racism has been recorded, I wouldn't even say the last five years, I'm going to trade Martin Martin, 2012 or some shit. So the last eight years since racism has been recorded, I've had to watch it not once a year, every month. Every month I watch somebody get harassed by the cops, accosted, beat up. I watched somebody get shot and with their daughter and wife in the car. I watched a young black girl in a bathing suit get flipped over on the ground and had a knee on her back. This is not even the first time somebody has died saying, I can't breathe. This year, this is not even, it's, 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 it's redundant. It's redundant. I think, I think to, to most people, this is new, but to us, it's not. This is why, why is George Floyd the one that everybody suddenly wants to stop at? Was the 80-something other black people that died at the hands of the police when it was filmed, was that not something to jump at? George Floyd was the break, it was the breaking point for all these people? Like, I, I don't understand it. I think it started off with, it started off with the jogger, who was literally murdered two months ago. Ahmaud Aubrey. And it was a closed close case. And then the only reason why they reopened it is because the video came out of them literally lynching him. He's jogging through the neighborhood. He, there was a constructed house. He went to go view a constructed house. 
the amount of times that I've walked around and walked inside constructed houses, I've done that before. Everybody does that. And I, I hate the way that the media and I hate the way that um, people try to find one thing to justify death. Oh, he committed a crime. He stole, he stole some cookies five years ago, so he deserved to die. He went into the house to look at the make and how, and how it was being assembled, which everybody does in the neighborhood, but he deserved to die. The fact that we, not we, but the fact that people think that they can justify black death by something that this person did on their record years ago, or something that this person did that might have frightened them or might have made them uncomfortable to justify death. I think that's the part that pisses me off more. And then next after that was the white lady in Central Park. Amy Cooper. Who literally weaponized her privilege. And I know in Canada, people love to make it seem like racism doesn't exist here. Amy Cooper is Canadian. And I know black people like to make it seem like they have to educate white people on racism. No, you don't. Fuck that. The fact that Amy Cooper knew how to weaponize her privilege as a white woman, white people know racism exists. White people know what racism looks like. They know what the microaggressions look like. They know what the active racism looks like. They're well aware. These people are not aloof. They're not stupid. The fact that we have to pander and be like, hey, read this book. Watch this documentary. Listen to this speech. No, they've been seeing it. The same way we've been seeing it our whole lives, they've been seeing it their whole lives. The fact that people like to make it seem like 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 racism is not real and we we need to we we need to we need to let them read a book and suggest this. I ain't suggesting shit. Fuck it. Fuck it. And then George Floyd dies with a knee on his neck after he's begging for his life. I don't know, bro. I think I think the part that annoys me most is that I, I appreciate the allies. I do. I do. I do. My thing is when it comes to the white allies, a lot of it is performance allies. It's performance allies. It's, this is something that's happening now. I'm going to jump on the moment. And the moment the moment is done, I'm going to go back to the same shit. Right? Because George Floyd is not the first time this has happened. It's not even the first time this has happened this month. It's not even the first time this has happened this year, and the year just started. And we're, we're doing a COVID pandemic. It's not even the first time this has happened since COVID has started. Why him? So the performance allyship, I don't respect that. I don't respect that. And it's always a flavor of the moment, and then it always goes back to the same shit. We preach, we yell, we riot. It's the same shit, and then it's the same treatment coming down. I think one of the other aspects that annoys me even more than that is I see all these other countries. I see Canada, I see France, I see England, I see Germany, I see Spain, I see Portugal, I see the Netherlands coming out in their metropolitan spaces, and they're having their own Black Lives Matter riots. Right? And I think what annoys me the most about it is that I feel like a lot of countries like to put the blame on America. A lot of countries like to default their racism and use America as a scapegoat. All of the countries I just mentioned have their own form of racism. We live in Canada. 
we, we know the way black people are treated. We know the way the natives are treated, the aboriginals. Countries like England, France, Spain, Portugal, the Netherlands, Italy, we see the way that they not only treat their Caribbean and African migrants that live in their metropolitan cities, in their countries, but we see the way that they treat their, their colonies, their past colonies. France treats all of its African and Caribbean colonies like shit. France survives off its African and Caribbean colonies. So it's a complete contradiction when I see France jump out of the blue and talk about Black Lives Matter in the middle of Paris, and we need to end it, when a couple of months ago, France was treating their Black representatives and their Black citizens like shit. I think it's funny that France wants to have a Black Lives Matter rally when France still owns and operates colonies and treats them like shit in Africa and the Caribbean. So don't, don't deflect your racism onto America like America is a single body or the epitome of all racism when that's not the truth. That's not the truth. And that's what happens a lot. These countries want to come out and their presidents and their mayors and their representatives want to come out and be like, we stand at what's happening in America. No, 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 no. Fuck that. Stand at what's happening in your own country. You want to talk about anti-blackness in America and how it's wrong. How can we not address the anti-blackness in your own country? Because they're not at the forefront. Exactly. That's so why are you... Because they're not being watched. They're the ones, they don't care. So why are you jumping up? Why are you marching for Black Lives Matter when it comes to America? So you can act like America is a single body of racism. When racism started in Europe, the Netherlands still has a festival during Christmas to this day where people paint their face in blackface to represent Santa's little black helper who comes down the chimney. And the black representatives, black citizens who live in the Netherlands, who come from Dutch colonies, have spoken about this in the Netherlands, and they've been silent. But yet the Netherlands wants to get on their high horse and preach to America. Portugal is the same. Italy is the same. To this day in Italian soccer games, they're still, they're still throwing bananas at the African players. Portugal, Italy, the Netherlands, France, the majority of their world-class soccer team consists of African players from their African colonies who they throw bananas at, who they treat like shit. The rape of black women in Italy is high as hell. But why are you sitting there, kneeling, talking about we want to end anti-blackness in America? Fuck that. And in your own country. I think the hypocrisy of the bullshit that I see is what angers me even more. I respect Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, for acknowledging that there's anti-blackness that happens in Canada. But what are you going to do about it? It's going to be the same lip service. We acknowledge there's anti-blackness in Canada. We need to create laws and, 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 and we, we need to create this to fix it. And then the moment he's out of office, the next guy comes in and says the same shit. And it's the same shit again and again and again. I, I just, I'm, I'm tired of giving a fuck, bro. I'm, I'm really, really at that point. I just don't care anymore because I know it's all lip service. I know this is a moment for everyone to look good at the expense of America. 
Fine. Do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. But I know as soon as this is done, we're going back to the same shit. Everyone keeps saying that by coming to the forefront and having all this media attention, that there's going to be some form of change and it's going to take everyone to commit to that change for it to happen. What's funny is the fact that I posted on Instagram saying, what, it, what are, are you guys going to keep the same energy when this is no longer a headline? Then I also put when it's no longer trending. I posted two different versions. And the funny thing is, is that like, not really the funny thing is, the thing that was obviously going to happen is that now these people on social media and different platforms are saying, oh, I'm going to share 101 different Black-owned businesses. I'm going to share 36 content creators who are Black. I'm going to, I want to promote them. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to share. And you see these people who are doing formative allyship where it's kind of like, like it's performative, like it's not anything. And then now you see captions like, as we get back to a little bit of normalcy and a little bit on our feet. And I said, wait, so now, now it's over in a week, just like I said, it was going to be the same energy that, that I knew you weren't going to keep. The same way that people said, you can't just protest for a week and then say, okay, bye guys. The same people who are trying to say, oh, we're your allies are now like, oh, can we go back to posting what we were posting last week? Because you know, this really doesn't go with my aesthetic. And it's really funny because you have people posting these performative allies posting stuff. And then if you go and check, you're like, you don't even actually follow this person, nor do you support them. I was like, you are just posting about them so that you don't look guilty, so that you don't have to take on the fact of people saying, well, I thought that you were going to do something about it. You don't want to be attacked by anyone who is Black who follows you because you just can't handle it, or the fact that you just don't want to admit, no, you know, I, po I may have posted that there are these people exist, and I posted these organizations, and I posted these petitions, and I did all these things, but now I'm really tired after a week. I just can't. Because that's exactly what it looks like. Well, yeah, I know it doesn't affect them. But at the end of the day, you still, like, if you're, like, if you are not actually going to genuinely be an ally, just don't bother saying anything. I'd rather you be silent. Exactly. There's no most, point. Like, most, if, if you're not going to do it, don't do it. Most white people feel uncomfortable having to look at these things. So imagine the uncomfort of having to experience these things. There's a meme I love where it says, you're tired of discomfort. hearing about racism. Exactly. There's a meme I love where it's like, you're tired of hearing about racism. Imagine the people tired of experiencing right? And it's, it's come to the point where, like, I'm holding white people accountable. I, I, I actually don't care if you post about black businesses. I don't give a fuck. Because you're not going to go to them. I, I, and the people that you're posting it to are mostly white people who are also not going to go to them. I don't give a fuck if you post about black businesses. I don't care if you post about black YouTubers. I don't care if you post about black content creators. I get we're on YouTube, too. But the people that you're posting it to are mostly white, and they're not going to watch this shit anyway. What you well, it's do. an actual statistic. Most non, most people who are obviously, who are white, they are not subscribed to any channels of black people or anybody else. They only subscribe to people who look like them. 
and there's this whole movement of saying, oh, there's so many, there's so many people, so many creators, you should do this. And I said, you, you sharing this is not actually going to do anything. Um, because they're, they're never going to actually genuinely support. And if they do try and support, it's going to last for all of like a few days just so that they look good. So they can say that they did something. This is why I don't care because listen, I'm not blaming them for only being subscribed to people that look like them. I'm subscribed to people that look like me. Why would I blame them for that? I'm not saying blame them. I'm saying this don't. People are naturally attracted. People are naturally attracted to content that that resembles them. I wouldn't expect a random white person to watch Awkward and Black. Not everything we talk about is black. Sometimes we talk about general episodes about just anything. But by the name itself, I'm not expecting white people to be attracted to our podcast. That'd be ignorant of me to think so. My point is don't bother sharing it because you know nothing is going to happen from it. I'm I'm, 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 I'm agreeing with you wholeheartedly, right? I'm agreeing with you wholeheartedly. My thing is this posting of YouTubers and content creators and black businesses, for what? For what? I would rather black people post that shit. For what? We do. The only, the only, the, but you and I both know thing. that white content creators are favored in every single form of social media from Instagram yeah. to YouTube. So but the algorithm I, works in their favor. So even if we post it, no one I sees don't it. Care, but I don't care if they post it. No, what I'm saying is that's why the day, they're doing because it. Because at the end of the day, if they post it, it's not reaching anybody who's going to watch it. So I would rather a black person who's a content creator post it because at least it would reach somebody who's going to watch it. So I don't care. What, 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 what I do care, what I do want white people to do is something simple. Something simple. Simple shit. I don't even care if you march. I don't care if you support. I don't give a fuck. Because I've been here before and I know it's the flavor of the munch, right? So what, what I what I do want to see from white people is just stop. One simple request. Stop. Stop. If you really give a shit and when this is all over, Stop being racist to black people. Plain and simple. Just, just, it's simple like that. And when you see other white people in your family, in your friend group who are racist to black people, call them out. That's it. That's the only way the world's going to change. Because you can post all this shit and then you go home and your dad's yelling nigga this and nigga that and you ain't saying nothing. You can post all this shit and then you're around your boyfriend and girlfriend and they're saying, oh, these niggas deserve it. It ain't, it ain't doing nothing. You can post all this shit and then be around your white coworkers, or your white friends, and they're talking shit. What was the point of posting it then? The only thing I want you to do is just stop being racist. Just stop. And when you see other white people that you know being racist, call them out. I don't understand why in 2020, okay, in 2020, you still have minorities and religious groups still talking about how white people discriminate against them, oppress them, treat them like shit. Why is that? Why is that? I understand that slavery and colonization started in the 1400s. I understand Europe was broke as shit after the Black Plague. I understand Europe went to go colonize the world because they needed to get money to bring themselves out of bullshit and open up the Renaissance. I understand the, the Roman Catholic Church allowed rape and all this bullshit to happen. They offered these people ships. They, they told them to go pillage and do what you want. No rules apply. I get all that. 
forget all that. I'm not even blaming y'all for that. That was your ancestors. But in 2020, in 2020, why do we still have groups of people fighting for their rights? Whether those groups are LGBTQ, which actually transcends race, religion, and everything. Whether those groups are black people. Whether those groups are Mexicans from below the, the US border. Whether those groups are Muslims, which also transcends race and culture. Why is it that 2020 people are still fighting for basic human dignity and rights? Because they don't think that it's deserved. Okay. Because this superiority complex. Yeah, they don't think that it's deserved. The superiority they think that complex that's been passed down has been oh. passed down. And the problem is, is there, there's this narrative when it comes to Black people where no matter what happened, they deserved it. And that's why you see, oh, he deserved it because he did something in 1993. He deserved it because in school he got suspended a lot. He deserved it because he was six foot tall and big. He, she deserved it because she mouthed off to the top. He deserved it because he, he didn't listen to the cops. Okay, then what about the what about the white people who do the exact same thing and don't nothing happens, so they don't deserve to be punished either? Because we remember, they think that they're prison. superior, right? We know about I mean, Look at Brock Turner. He raped a girl and got six months in prison. This is this is a concept. I'm I'm not even the whole thing is like I'm tired of of justifying my dignity. I'm tired of comparing black experiences to white experiences and fully showing the contradiction in front of your face and still having people come up with excuses. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I've, I've grown up in Canada my whole life, and white Canadians will tell you right away how racist America is. They, they don't hold back on, oh, America's so racist. But the moment you bring up Canada being racist, ooh, you ever see people, you ever see people get offended too quick? Oh, they get offended quick. They get pissed the fuck off, right? And it's just like, the funny thing is, is so nice and so polite and things like that couldn't possibly happen here. And people, other places around the world like to say that Black Canadians don't actually understand what true racism is. Because they think that it doesn't exist here. And when you call people out on that and you say to them, no, it does, they get very angry. And then the funny thing is that they get highly defensive over something that they don't experience. Like I said, I think I can deal with the U.S. issue, but there's an issue here as well. Like you said, people like to say that Canada never had racism. There was slavery from Oakville to Nova Scotia. But, but I don't know what whitewashing they've done of the history in this country. There was slavery from Oakville to Nova Scotia. When the people in Nova Scotia who were the loyalists, who fought on the side of Britain, when the people in Nova Scotia who came from the Underground Railroad from Harriet Tubman went up there and tried to settle and they built a town and they started being successful, they burned Africaville down the same way they did in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They had slavery in Oakville, in Hamilton, in Burlington, in Montreal. The people like to conveniently forget that. The rate of police brutality to the, I'm, I, you know what, fuck the past. Fuck, let's talk about today. The, the rate of police brutality in Montreal, all over Quebec. The rate of police brutality in Toronto, 
Why we pretend I guess like I've grown up my whole life in Canada. I have stories for days. Stories that you're used to, stories that you're gonna roll your eyes at, stories that you're used to hearing. They're, they're no different. I've been called a nigga. All of us have. I've 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 been I've been told by a classmate in the fifth grade that you can't come to my house because my parents don't like black people. But I had to bring him to my house to finish the assignment. Right? I've been stopped by the police. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to say. And people can say, oh, those are individual acts of individual racist people. Okay, fine, fine. Before I was at the position I was at now, I was in corporate recruitment. I worked for one of Canada's top five recruiting companies in the whole country. We recruited for all of the Fortune companies in the downtown core and in the GTA of Canada. And I can tell you straight up, there's a thing that we have in recruitment called a WR, a white resume. Most of my office was white females. There was only a segment of my office that was actually minorities, but all of us knew this existed. I'm not blaming my coworkers for this. This is not their fault. This is Canada's fault. My coworkers didn't do shit, but we used to go to each other's offices and say, yo, do you have, I need a white woman. I need a white man for this job. Because we knew that every time we sent over a minority resume, doesn't matter if it was qualified or overqualified for the position, we would get coded messages back. I need somebody more Canadian. Can I see more resumes? I want somebody exactly like Jamal. I want somebody exactly like Gurpreet, but just different. You know what I mean, Justin? Just different. And the, the higher you get on the ladder to the more executive position, the worse it gets. If it's some low-level call center position, yeah, they'll hire minorities. Yeah, they don't give a shit. When you start getting above a certain range, which are the jobs you're hiring for, it's clear as day. Clear as day. Some people don't even know I'm black because my name is Justin Seaton. So I'm, so I'm calling them on the phone, and they're telling me I need Justin you sent me Gurpri, you sent me Jamal, you sent me Deji. You know what I need? I need a white maple leaf blue blood Canadian for this role. But you gotta make commission. We know this exists, but we gotta go. Every time we had a white resume in our portfolio, you know, I'd save it in a, another box with all the white resumes. Cause I knew when a position comes up, paying over 100k Ooh, i got white resumes ready and i'm gonna get my commission i'm gonna get paid you can't tell me canada's not racist forget about the microaggressions and the individual fuckery that's systematic it's built into the country right so when people like to turn around and pretend like canada's not racist well, fuck off i think the one thing i hate is whenever you bring up racism to other canadians right the one thing they always like to tell you is, oh, well, my grandfather came here. Well, my grandfather came here in World War One and World War Two, and he had to deal with racism and discrimination, being Irish and being Portuguese and being Italian and being, okay, fine, fine. I'm not taking that away. That's your family legacy. I respect that. I respect it wholeheartedly. And I think a lot of times, a lot of white Canadians don't realize that 40% of this country is foreign born. 
I'm not even talking about first generation like me and you. 40% of this country was born somewhere else. And now if you add in the people that are, that their parents are born somewhere else and they're first generation, that's the majority of this country, okay? And I think a lot of times what a lot of white Canadians don't realize is even though your black friends grow up with you, live next to you, go to school with you, go to university and college with you, they're either immigrants or first generation. So as much as you're talking about your grandfather did this and your grandfather did this, and I respect that, realize that we are your grandfather. We're the only person in our family who's Canadian. So if you're talking about what your grandfather faced when he came to this country, I am your grandfather. I'm your grandfather. I'm your grandmother. I'm your great-grandfather. I'm your great-great-grandfather. So the same shit your grandfather faced. Sadly, Canadian society hasn't changed because I'm facing it right now. And luckily, your grandfather was white. So all he had to do was change his Jewish name or change his Italian name or change his Irish name, and he was fine, right? Can't change this. So next time you want to fix your mouth or say something, remember your Italian or your Portuguese or your European grandfather that went through shit and know that your black friend your black coworker, the black people you went to school with, they're either immigrants or first generation. They are your grandfather. So the same sympathy and empathy you want to tell us when you're speaking about your grandparents or what they went through, have that same sympathy and empathy on this side too. It's the same shit. You know that having the same empathy is something that they're not going to have because it doesn't affect them. Of course not. Like, it's... I already know. I already know. I'm not disagreeing with you. I know, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, they're going to look at you and be like, well, yeah, but I'm not going through that now. Oh, no, no, my grandfather worked hard. Yeah, like, my grandfather worked really hard and I reap reap the benefit of it. It doesn't affect me anymore. I'm not living like that, so why, why should I care that you have something like that why should why should i care about you like why because to them it's like to them it's like no no i care about myself i care about my well-being what's going to happen to me and when i see these things portrayed on the news it's because these people deserved it they did something wrong there's always there's always some justification that they they deserved it they should have oh well they should have listened to the cop when he told him to stop walking you should have, you shouldn't have looked at him from the side of your eye. There are excuses for every single occurrence. And no one, no one who is white will ever learn, uh, uh, ne- will never understand. They will never care. And then the, always the default is either, oh, they deserved it. Or it's, you know what, how about you teach me? You know how tired I am of hearing all of If you would just explain it to me. I'm not explaining anything to anymore. I'm not, not talking shit. about it anymore. I don't want to. I shouldn't have to. Shit. Like, I'm not doing you this. If you want to learn, if you want to unlearn the way that you think and the way that you've grown up, do it your damn self because you have to want for that to happen. Me, me if, I, if taking the effort for me to try and say something to you does what? Absolutely nothing. And I think for me, that's why it's like, it's so frustrating hearing that because it's like, I see these posts of people on like my Facebook timeline and I'm seeing them post black squares 
you bullied me in high school. I'm seeing them say, I stand in solidarity, but I saw you pick on the other black kids that we went to school with and treat us like dirt and make us seem like we should be thankful. I've seen you try and get us expelled because you're actually the one who did something wrong to us. And because we decided to stand up and defend ourselves, we became an intimate threat. But you want to say that you, you're standing in solidarity and that you're learning and you're doing these things. Since when? Since when? And now you're like, oh, oh, Brittany, you know, I just, I wanted to check and see how you were doing. Bitch, you haven't talked to me in 20 years. I have never seen you do anything remotely for anything but yourself and your people who look like you. You've never yeah, spoken you want to, to say me. To me not oh, DM me. Exactly. Thank you. You know how it felt for me to see when I saw these DMs, I wanted to curse every single last one of them, but I didn't. I just deleted it. You shut up. You shut Why? Why am I gonna waste my energy on a bunch of people who are gonna turn around and say, "Oh my God, I was just trying to understand. I don't know why you're attacking me. I don't have time for that." Or the moment that you do curse them, then they're like, "See, I tried to help, but you see." What and then you didn't there? accept it. I don't have time for that. So guess what? You're not. Even, you're not gonna get a response. You're not even getting acknowledgement because guess what? You're not worth my goddamn time. The same way that you thought it was fine to be like, to, to, to w try and pull on my hair, try and touch it because it looked different, or use the, oh, your, your hair is so exotic. No, it's not. It's just my hair. Don't touch it. The fact that you wanted to come to me after vacation. <laughs> oh, Brittany, look, I'm darker than you are. I'm blacker than you. I'm almost as tan as you. You can take your fake, your fake, performative bullshit and you can shove it because I don't give a shit. Luckily, I, I didn't I didn't have to go through that shit you went through because no, my high school and the city I live in has a higher black population. So that shit wasn't going down, but my school had a school officer because we had a high population of black students. So we had a school officer. I, I, I visually remember this. They I literally made you criminal before, in, but they made you criminal criminal criminals by doing that. They literally just put you in a criminal box saying, this is what they're going to end up like, so they should get used to this presence. I remember being in elementary school, and every time the white kids in my elementary school got into a fight, it was shake hands, say you're sorry, you guys are friends the next day. I remember getting into a fight in, what was it, the fifth or sixth grade with this kid in the snow complained on me, went to the office. I remember the teacher telling me, you know, I can put you in jail. Do you know you can go to jail? Listen, it was me and the kid fist fighting in the snow. I put his face in the snow, punched him in the back of the head. My boy pulled me off. It was done. But I was told at 10 years old, you can go to jail. Man called me a criminal. But yeah, these white kids would fight every day. And it was shake hands. I remember being in high school. These white kids fight across the school, at the convenience store, at the back of the school, and it was suspension. I also remember being in high school, and every time the black kids fought, the school officer did his job. Came, arrested them. They went to jail. We didn't see them again. We used to have a bench outside of our high school where the black kids used to just hang around and sit after school and just chill, waiting for their bus. Or a lot, a lot of us, I used to work at McDonald's at the time. I didn't start work till six. McDonald's had these three hour shifts that were bullshit. 
So I would sit at school for two hours and just wait. I had my stuff already in my bag. They took away the bench. They had a construction company come and unscrew the bench out of the cement to take it away for the black school. But if the white kids were chilling after school, which they did, and they would smoke in the little smokers pit across the street, they didn't do shit about that, right? So it's 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 the fuckery, right? It's the fuckery. You you realize growing up that you're different at a young age. I think the first time I ever experienced racism in Canada was going to this grocery store that was in our neighborhood and seeing this European lady. I want to say Portuguese because most people in my area are Portuguese, but I'm I'm not gonna specify. But seeing this European lady talk in her full accent, broken English to hell. And the lady at the cash register was like listening to her, getting her her stuff, doing her thing, right? Me and my dad come down the line. My my dad's accent is not even that harsh. It's really not. My dad doesn't even speak Patois. There's a difference between Patois and a Jamaican accent. My dad just has a light, light, light accent, okay? And she's sitting there as he's trying to just ask for something simple. What? 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 And I'm looking, I'm like, this lady just understood this lady behind us who I could barely understand, right? And then I had to jump in and tell her what my dad was saying, even though my dad speaks better English than me, I was a child. And just seeing that as a child, you start to learn that you are different. You start to learn that you are different. I, the first school I ever went to, the teacher tried to say that because I was hyper. Meanwhile, there was another kid in the class that used to jump off the walls all day, but I was hyper. I was getting good grades. I was just hyper. She tried to put me into a program like they do with a lot of the black kids. My mom took me out to school, put me in another school. I remembered it. And the other school I went into, literally all of the black kids, except for me and another kid were in that help program. There was only two black kids, me and another boy that were regular because our parents were a little bit woke to the way, to the, way the system was working. And all the other black kids were stuck in that learning disability program. And they Maybe were fine. They were fine. There was no issues with them. And the problem with being in that program, I learned later on when I got into teacher's college, is that once you're in that program, and you stick in that program throughout the years, you can't go to university. You gotta take extra courses just to get to college, mm-hmm. right? And in Canada, like I said, the black people are immigrants. So a lot of their parents don't understand. They're just listening to what the teachers are saying and saying, well, if the teacher's saying it, then let me put my child in the program. Ruin your child's life, right? Like I, I've, I've seen this a thousand times over. I've, and the fact that people have the audacity to tell me that there's no racism in Canada, this is not what we do here. Are you dumb? I've, I've been, I've worked for corporations where I go to work every day, suit, tie, jacket, shoes, everything. And every day I sit in the elevator. And I told you about this story. Every single day I would go to this job in the elevator. There was a white woman who would park her car this, this is, how, this is, I'm going to show you how ignorant this is. We would both drive and park our cars in the employee basement parking. 
You can only get into the employee basement parking if you have a fucking key card. Then we would get into the elevator. Usually I would see her three times a week. We get into the elevator at the exact same time. And every time we get in the elevator, and I'm dressed nice, right? I'm dressed for the corporate environment, right? Even though that shouldn't even fucking matter. And every time we get in the elevator, the bitch clinches her purse. She moves. She gets timid. Literally, I would get off on the 10th floor and she would get off after me. So she knows I work here. And you would think, okay, she did this the first time. This class did this every single time for the two years I worked there. You don't think people internalize that shit? They don't think that they're committing any harm at all. And to be honest, I think I think what makes what makes me even more mad is not even so much the mentality of white Canadians, because frankly, I expect that. I, I grew up I grew up seeing it my whole life. I've been conditioned to it. Like I said, I don't even flinch anymore. I'm numb to it. I actually expect it. I, I have a few white friends that are not like this. I have a few white friends that are actual allies. I have a few white friends who actually give a shit and it's not performance, but that's a few, right? But I expect that. But the thing that makes me more mad is the black Canadians who care more about their white coworkers, their white friends, sometimes their white partners in relationships. They care more about their feelings than they do their actual dignity. And I've seen this. I've gone through my social media and I see black people that I went to college with in Oakville who grew up in literally a complete white city that might have been the only black person similar to the way you grew up. And I've seen these people, I've seen these people, whenever they do post about what's going on, they're just posting about the looters as if we don't understand the anger of why this is occurring, right? Or whenever they do post what's going on, they post Candace Owens interviews where Candace Owens becomes a token black person, which every white person can say, look, 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 she agrees. She agrees. Post anything, they make it note to post on their social media, hey guys, I don't agree with the rioting. I don't agree with the rioting. They go out of their way to let their white friends, white, white, white coworkers, anybody white on their Facebook know that, that they're on their side. And I sit there and I'm like, I know black people are not one monolith. I know we don't all have to think the same way. I'm not saying that. And I'm not gonna take away their blackness either. You can be black and be ignorant. There's tons of black ignorant people. I see them on the streets every day, shooting and killing each other, ignorant as shit, right? So no different, right? I'm not saying we have to be one monolith. But I see a lot of black people who care more about the feelings of white people, who care more about what white people think 
and they care about their own dignity. These black people are well aware of racism because it doesn't matter if you grew up in a black neighborhood or a white neighborhood in Canada, you've experienced some sort of racism. A lot of people that grew up in white neighborhoods have never experienced what I should call um, the active part of racism. They've probably never been pulled over by the police. They've probably never been accosted by the police. They probably never had to deal with these things because if you have all white friends, sometimes you take on your white friend's privilege where someone's not going to disrespect you at the chance that they may offend the white person beside you. To become your Whether buffer. Your girlfriend, to become your buffer, right? So you may not have experienced racism like that, but you've experienced your blackness being questioned. You've experienced you being compared to stereotypes. You've experienced when your white friends are not around and how other white people treat you in that city. You've experienced racism, right? But they will go out of their way to make white people comfortable. And I'm like, how long are we as a people going to make white people comfortable? How long? How long? And I, I know a lot of Black Canadians grow up in households where your parents tell you, when you go into the store, keep your, don't put your hands in your pockets. When you go into the store, don't, don't, don't look down. Don't wear a hoodie. Take your hat off. Sometimes I go into the store and I feel like even if I don't, even if I walk in, I don't want to buy something, I should buy something. Because I know if I go into the store and I don't buy some shit, I'm going to look guilty just because I'm black. It's the double consciousness I was raised with. So I understand your parents try to protect you for the world. But how long are you going to make people comfortable who are treating you like, how long, bro? And I see these Black people, and they come online, and they care more about making white people comfortable than they care about their own dignity. And I think that's what makes me more angry. At my workplace I work at now, I work at a software company in Toronto. The software company in Toronto, they decide to um I can't even say decided. Let me keep it real. Um a lot of the black people at my workplace got together and called them out, asked them how come you guys are not putting anything up to say that you agree with what's happening. Now my company is based in Canada, but they're all over the states as well, right? And we called them out. The reason why we called them out is because my company goes out of its way to be overtly liberal. My company has supported the fires in Australia and Brazil. They support LGBTQ rights. My company supports every freaking thing that happens. And they stand by that. It's like their motto, right? They, they have a whole section in the company that consists of people from different departments who work on doing these things. So when, when we realized that they weren't saying shit about this, we called them out. Then when we called them out, they decided to put out a blast. Not a blast that they let us read, but just a blast. You know, they felt like it wasn't important to let the black coworkers look at the shit. Of course, you just talk for your black coworkers, right? So they put the shit out. As soon as they put it out, an ex-employee, he was a minority, he was not black. He responded to it and called out the CEO saying that when he worked here, he experienced racial discrimination. It went into a whole Twitter war following after that, every Thursday, we have a company-wide meeting where we talk about the changes in the company. This Thursday coming, 
my job wants to dedicate the whole hour of that meeting to the black employees. So the black employees got together and we decided to discuss what we wanted to talk about. People want to share their experiences of having racism in the workplace in Canada, but specifically in the workplace to make a point, even if it's not at this current job, right? Which I'm fine with sharing my experiences. What I'm not fine with is being pandered to after I share my experiences, seeing the performance allyness after I share my experiences. And I'm not here to answer white people's questions about racism because as I said, we need to stop acting like white people do not understand racism. We just watched a Canadian woman weaponize her privilege of a man who was a bird watcher who just asked her to leash her dog. And I'm tired of people being like, he was a Harvard graduate. So what, if he wasn't a Harvard graduate and he was in the park and asked her to leash her dog, then they wouldn't get the same response. I'm tired of black people having to be intellectually adequate with degrees or having to have a great financial executive position to get respect when they call out racism. So if he wasn't a Harvard degree, and a, if he didn't have a Harvard degree and he wasn't a bird watcher, then the whole situation might've looked different, right? And it goes back to my thing of like, we always use these excuses to justify black death to justify black worthiness in society right so because he's a harvard graduate everybody can be like okay okay yeah yeah he's fine yeah he was right to do that right but we watched a woman weaponize her privilege we've watched plenty of people weaponize her privilege to the point we have a name for it. we call them karen that happens every week too right so we're having this meeting at work and we've had a few meetings with the black co-workers right there's only a few of us. We're like 2% of the office, literally 2% of the office. Um, now, the black, the black woman who's in the most senior position at the office is generally running these meetings with a bunch of us there, right? And this goes back to what I'm saying. Every time we have these meetings, literally we sit there for an hour to two hours on Zoom after work. And the majority of our meeting is making sure that our message doesn't offend our white coworkers, making sure our message that we're going to say this Thursday is digestible for our white coworkers, making sure that we care about their feelings. And one of, one of the coworkers that that's my boy that works there said the best thing. He's just like, why are we making sure that this is digestible for our white coworkers? We're the ones who are dealing with this. We're the ones who should be uncomfortable. We're the ones who are being inconvenienced. But now we're sitting here worrying about our white coworkers, and it goes back to what I said. Even in times like this, we are still making sure that everything is digestible and okay, and we don't want Literally to offend correct. white people. Fuck that. The last meeting that we had, my boss decided to write a four-page letter apologizing, speaking about the ex-coworker who called him out for racism, speaking about how he needs to unlearn shit and re referencing books that she told him to read, right? As if them books are gonna change shit, but fine. Okay, he's working. I'm not gonna shit on the man for doing some type of education. Fine, go ahead, right? What annoyed me is we had an hour meeting where she decided to bring up his four page email that he hadn't posted yet and have us edit it. 
as if she's Kerry Washington and this is scandal. Let him post it. Let him fall by the sword. Why are we editing it? Because she wants to make it seem as if that the black people are trying to help the white man do the right thing so that he comes off as being correct. She's actually she's actually she's actually pandering to you guys. Oh, I know that. And we called her out on it. I called her out right then and there during the meeting and she didn't like it, but fuck it. And it goes back to my point. Even in times of uncomfort for us, we are still trying to make white people comfortable. Even when a black man has a knee on his neck and dies on national television and says, I can't breathe, and he's not the first black person to say that this year. And this is what, the 60th video where we've seen a, die, a black person die on television? I saw a man get shot in the car with his child in the back seat and his wife next to him after he informed the officer that he had a legal gun in the glove compartment and he was then going to reach for his license or registration. He was shot after he informed him. But now I have to come and make that digestible for you. I'm the one going through the pain. I'm the one dealing with the racism. I'm the one dealing with the bullshit. I'm the one dealing with the microaggressions. But I got to make that digestible for you. I, like, I, listen, I can't tell you the amount of businesses and organizations that I've worked for in Toronto post-university graduation. And the one thing I've noticed with all of them and all the businesses in Toronto The businesses in Toronto how should I say this? The businesses and the organizations in Toronto love to celebrate white mediocrity at the expense of their minority workers. I can't tell you the amount of businesses that I have been hired, the amount of positions I've worked at, where they say that you need a degree and this many years of experience, and all of the minorities in the position have a degree. And when I go to my white coworkers, they don't have a degree, they don't have the experience. Shit, they don't even know anybody in the company. They just randomly applied. But because a white face came to the door, they just hired them. Companies and organizations in Canada celebrate white mediocrity at the expense of their minority workers. Seen this my whole life. My headphone was about to die, so I gotta switch one in. They don't care about the fact of any type of expense because they reward white people who have less of everything. I've seen that a million times. I've seen it more than once. I've seen people who I hear, I tell them where I went to school and what I did in my experience. And they're like, oh, I only went to, I only, I only finished high school and I actually have been working at, I don't know, some name of retail or just insert name of some store. 
and I applied for this job and then you and I are making the same amount of money, even though I have like 10 years on you for experience wise. And then you have other people who also, not only is it the fact of rewarding them, it's also the fact that sometimes they pay them more than you, even though you deserve the money and they don't. You end up finding out that the person who got hired negotiates to make like an extra five grand when they tell you, oh, no, your contract's not, no, no, that's not negotiable. But then you find out that the girl over here was able to do that, even though you have more experience than she does. And when you brought negotiations, you got shut down and pretty much told off. Oh, when a girl who hasn't done half the work that you have or guy, and they end up getting a, a bigger raise than you, even though you've done more work, put it invested more time and done more. They don't give a shit. <laughs> Yeah, I, I used to work at a debt collecting company slash law firm. And me and an older black woman, we started a whole department within the company. And they ended up, three months after we started the department, ended up hiring a white coworker to literally do the bitch work, filing the papers. Okay. I was training him on the job. And two months into the training, he decided to tell me how much he was making. Me and the other girl looked at each other. Not only was he making more than me, who was training him, but he was making more than her, who was the department head. Me and this guy had exactly the same resume. We actually were going to university for the exact same job. With the exact same degree. I had a little more jobs than him, so I had a little more experience. And he wasn't making one grand more than me. He was making five grand more than me and three grand more than her. And when my review came up and I went to go ask for a higher pay, they told me no. And then I came straight out and said, I'm training somebody who makes more money than me. And they said, if you don't like it, you can leave. This is not the United States. This is Canada, right? You know what, man? Like, oh. we, we can talk about this all day. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to change shit. Because the stories are all the same. Well, not all the like same, said, but the stories are similar. It's not only white ignorance and white mediocrity that bothers me and the racism that bothers me. It's the fact that there are black people who just pander to it. And I, and okay, I get it to a certain degree. The, the experience of black people is not all the same. As I said, we're not one monolith. And the makeup of black people in Canada is a bit different than it is in the States. So in the States, the majority of black people, with the exception of the immigrants from the Caribbean and Africa, have all been through the same 400 years of bullshit. They all went through slavery. They all went through Jim Crow. They all went through redlining. They went through the same thing. That's what they call the black experience, right? They all went through the same thing. While in Canada, with the exception of the Nova Scotians, all the rest of the black people here are immigrants who came here in the 60s and after, right? And depends on your experience. A lot of black people came here with degrees and doctorates and weren't able to get jobs and 
had to get jobs that were beneath them and work from the working class up. But then you have Black people who luckily came here and they got somebody who was nice and actually asserted their experience and degrees and they got a good job off the bat. They were able to move into an upper middle class neighborhood. And so to them, when you ask them and you call out racism, they come to the defense of white people. And they say, doesn't exist. Look at me. I came to this country and I worked hard and look at this, right? Because they're basing it off their own experience. And they're protecting, they're protecting a little bit of financial whiteness that they've been able to gain from their experience in Canada. And that means more to them than the dignity of them, themselves and their own people. So they protect that. They come out and they speak against everything. Like racism doesn't exist. These black people are lying. I had a great experience in Canada. Look at me. Okay. You had a great experience in Canada. I'm not denying that. I'm not denying that. That still doesn't mean that majority of people who look like you haven't. That still doesn't mean that there aren't issues. But that's what they say. Right? So, and sometimes those are the black people who will turn around and literally come to the defense of white people. Like, like it's Mammy. You are you are, you have watched black you have watched a black man die on television. You have watched a black man be shot on television. You have watched like this is this is this is every other day. And you will still say that it was that black man's fault. You will still have the same narrative of racist white people. You're black. And then those people get to use you as their own martyr. They're not dead, but they get, they literally use you as a token against everybody else. Doesn't it make you tired? It does, man. It does. And it does. It does. And you realize the only real way to escape racism is to do for self, which most of us have been doing, right? You, there's a lot of black entrepreneurship in Canada, from law firms to dentist offices to walk-in clinics to cultural Caribbean and African grocery stores and restaurants to things that are generally in the Caribbean and African community like hair stores and but even outside of those things like i said dentistry law firms doctors offices ther therapists that have their own businesses accountants there are, there are people who do their own accountants there are people who do their own and i'm and i'm happy for them they make a great living off of it right and if you have an opportunity to be an entrepreneur especially if you're black do it do it you don't have to be in the rat race you don't have to worry about posting anything on your LinkedIn. You don't have to answer to nobody, right? You only have to answer to yourself and your responsibilities and build from that. Sad to say, but I, I know this is not going to go anywhere. I know that. I know maybe for the rest of this month, 
It will continue, or it might even continue until the American election in November. Mm. And then that's it. That's it, bro. I just think, I think there's a lot of things that black people are owed and do. I watched a great interview with Bob Johnson, the owner of, uh, or the creator of BT. And there's a lot of things that black people owe do. I think a lot of black people are owed reparations. And I know white people don't want to hear that, but let's, let's state the facts, right? Name a culture of people who have been wrong, who have not got reparations, right? For all the Italians, when LA decided to hang over 500 Italians, well, the LA, sorry, New Orleans. When New Orleans decided to hang over 500 Italians in the early 1900s for racist acts, the Italian community in America got reparations of millions of dollars. The native, the aboriginal native people who were treated like shit and murdered and slaughtered all through the United States and Canada got reparations. Mind you, the reparations came in casinos in the United States and reservations where they don't even have running water and basic lighting in Canada and they get they pay no taxes. That's how I feel about that. I'm not aboriginal, I'm not gonna speak for that group of people. But Operations, right? When Canada and America decided to intern Japanese and East Asian people as a whole after World War II, they got operations. When Germany decided to slaughter over two million Jewish people, they got reparations. They literally built Israel. They literally built Israel for them. That's just a few people. Everybody who's been wrong has got reparations. When the U.S. decided to inject hundreds of black farmers into Ziki with syphilis, they didn't get reparations. Twenty-something years later, Bill Clinton just gave an apology. Oh, it was wrong. Inject them with syphilis periodically and watch as the disease literally rots their testicles, takes away their ability to walk. And they got an apology 30 years later from the sitting president at that time, right? Black Americans who have built America, built America. The reason why so many white Americans are rich to this day and so many corporations are rich to this day, they were promised, what, 40 acres and a mule? They didn't get that. But the white people who came after them to America, which we forget to acknowledge, were given land and money. You're telling me you slave these people for 300 years, 200 years. You promised them 40 acres and a mule, no. But then you have Europeans who are coming after to America and you're giving them land in the Midwest that they can start their lives on? Yeah, because they're white. But you haven't given these people shit. And then when they do build up their communities, like Tulsa, Oklahoma, you bomb that shit? And that's just one. There's many of them, right? You don't, you don't give them nothing. And I know people say, oh, black people looking for handouts. No, 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 no. Every other community 
every other ethnic group that was wronged has been given money as apologies. We've been given nothing but apologies and lip service. I'm not even African-American. I wouldn't get none of that money. But I would like to see those people in the States get their money. When you redline them, when you hung them, when you raped them, when you castrated them, when you marginalized them, when they had money and you wouldn't allow them to buy houses and force them into ghettos in the North, when you devalued their properties, when you burned them, when all they did was build your country. I wish Americans were as apologetic towards Black people as Black Americans are apologetic towards them. When Dylan Roof ran up in the church and murdered people and the first thing Black Americans did was apologize, they don't get reparations. Nova Scotians, they don't get reparations. My people are Caribbean. I'm waiting for England, France, the Netherlands, Spain. Where's my reparations? If you go to these European countries, they have vaults full of gold. Gold doesn't exist in Europe. Where do you think they got it from? Who do you think built Europe back up? How do you think the Renaissance happened? Where do you think all that money came from to build Europe? It came from Africa. And it came from transporting Africans to the Caribbean and digging for gold over there. Europe is rich to this day. When you walk through Europe and see all the tapestries and, and mausoleums and churches and all the bullshit, what do you think the money came to build that shit? Europe is rich to this day because of the transatlantic slave trade and the colonizing and separation of Africa. Where's the reparations, right? When Hitler was slaughtering 2 million Jews, Leopold was slaughtering 30 million Congolese. Where's the reparations? Y'all give reparations to everybody else who's wrong. This is not a black person saying they want money. This is a black person demanding their rights. Where's the reparations? To this day, there's old Francophone countries and French colonies in Africa and the Caribbean who still give money to France. Places that the Queen used to own is now just places where go to enjoy their vacation and have the Queen's old subjects just serve them. What happens in Jamaica, Trinidad, Guyana, Barbados? What happens, right? That's, that's what you go there for, right? To be served by old French colonies, old English colonies, sorry. And you love the fact that they can speak the language so well that you talk to them, right? Took everything out the land and left this land for them. There's nothing left in it, right? I got nothing left to say. Honestly. 
honestly, I don't think that anything is actually going to change regardless of how many times there are marches, regardless of how many times people say things or bring things to the attention, regardless of how many black people die. Because everything that you just said at the end of the day, yes, everyone else received reparations, but that's because they were deemed that they mattered and that they were worthy of that. Black people are not even given the, the common decency to be even treated as a damn human. So if you don't value them, you're not going to give anything to them. If you don't see them that way, you're not going to do anything for them. Nothing is going to happen because the media has twisted the narrative so far that the common thought processes, whatever happens to Black people, was deserved. And the sad thing is there are Black people who internalize the thing. There are Black people out here, if they see a white woman or a white man being killed by the police, they're like, oh my God, there's got to be justice. But when they see a Black man or a Black woman being killed by the police, the first thing is, what do they do? What do they do? We built up this narrative for so long that Black death by the hands of the police or white authority and justified at all times, at all times. We built up the narrative for so long. The fact that when you see it, your first thing is what did they do? We built it up, right? I think the worst part about it is I know that if I ever have children, I'm going to have to give them the same talk I, I was given. You're black. You got to work twice as hard. You have to be twice as good just to get half the shit. Don't put your hands in your pocket. Don't put your head down. Don't walk around at night. Ain't nothing changed. I think I'm tired of talking about this topic the way I'm tired of hearing about it. Because I know ain't nothing going to change. And literally, all of these issues, all of them, whether it's Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ rights, Muslim rights, immigrant rights, they're all dependable on the same resource. They're all dependable on white people just treating other people with dignity. That's really all it is. <laughs> Everyone's asking for the same shit. Maybe LGBTQ is a bit different. But everyone's asking for the same shit. For white people to just treat them with dignity. And they've been marching and preaching and asking for years. Why is that so hard? People always say, oh, but when the old white men die. No, they've already educated a new generation on ignorance. So when they die, there's going to be a new generation that's just as ignorant. Racism is taught. Not. It's inherited. It's taught. Right? I know it's going to be the same shit. 
I know what I'm saying is gonna fall on deaf ears. I know it ain't nothing new. Listen, man. White people are the minority in this world. They may own the banks. They are the minority in this world. They may own the resources. They may own the army. Eventually, the levy's gonna break. Levy's gonna break, bro. You can't keep treating the world like shit. You see it already. You're going over to countries in the Middle East and you're bombing their people, reorganizing their governments, murdering thousands of people, all so they can appeal to what you want them to do. And then you create ISIS. And then you create Taliban. And you wonder why these things happen. I'm not justifying ISIS or Taliban. I'm just creating a viewpoint. Right? People are already getting tired of the shit. When the queen was doing this and running, the, running basically the whole entire world, people didn't have the resources. A lot of people weren't connected outside of their city in a four-block radius. People are connected. People are getting tired of the shit. Even white people are getting tired of racism. Even white people are getting tired of racism. That's how fucked up it is, right? Well, people can only take so much until they rise up and they take it by force. I honestly think it's a fair. I think a lot of white people are getting to the point where they feel like, yo, these people are going to treat us the way that we treated them. Yeah, that makes sense. If we, if we let these people run free, they're going to do to us exactly what we did to them. It's manifest destiny, right? I don't think that's going to happen. I doubt it. It doesn't change the fear that they have because they think that, that it's that possible. Fear is a lie. Yeah, the fact that you have that fear is a lie. Honestly, I really, I'm, <laughs> there's nothing I'm going to say that somebody else hasn't already said. There's nothing I'm going to say that hasn't been said through the decades or the centuries at that. I'm not saying nothing new under the sun. The same speech from another black person. The same speech from another minority. There's got to be something else that happened in that speech. Happy. That we can uh, talk about. There has to be something. We'll have to wait and see if that happens. No, there has to be something right now that we can talk about that outside of this. I'm... I don't have anything. I'll honestly say following after COVID, I've been working at home for the past two, three months now since March. It's boring as shit. I'll wake up out my bed, curl over, turn on my laptop and start working. It's boring as fuck. 
but it's a new way. I think a lot of people are going to start working remotely coming forward. I think that's going to be a new way people are going to start working remotely. I think jobs are going to structure themselves to that. I think a lot of different applications are going to structure themselves to that. Um, I think Zoom has made a killing. I think Netflix has made a killing. I think Crave, I think Hulu. I Every think single streaming app has benefited from this. I think Amazon as a whole, as a company, has made a killing. Yep. And I think following after this, the world is going to change. Uh, you know, let's talk about COVID. The, uh, the, world, is, the world is already changing. The world is already changing, and that's just, just going to continue to happen. I mean, I think it was the other day that it was on the news that I think it was at Shopify that said that they're going to have all of their workers like permanently work remotely. They're not coming into an office. So obviously Shopify, Shopify is huge because everyone uses it, but they released a statement saying that all the workers are indefinitely going to be working from home right now. And you have the structures of companies that are saying that they're going to be able to minimize how much like actual workspace they use because now there's this whole thing of people used to say, oh no, you can't work from home. And now corporations are finding ways to make it work. So now they're not going to need like 17 floors of a building to house all their employees because maybe half of them are going to be working from home. So there's no reason to have all that space. Companies are changing their dynamics of what's happening because they're realizing that you don't actually need to physically be there. Even if it's to come to the office once a week, you don't like it. A lot of things are happening and then you have all these other attributes of people work popping up with their own companies of what they're creating that's online based remotely all these different things so the world and the way that it's functioning is changing and it's it's like it's a good thing i mean people are a lot of experts are saying it'll be a better work-life balance even it'll definitely be a better work-life balance you're going to be there with your kids i don't know if that's a good or bad thing i don't have children myself <laughs> but i think I think it'll be a good thing in the way that your kids are going to be raised, right? They're going to be well, you'll be more present with with parents who are present twenty four seven, right? I think I think it's definitely going to be a good thing going going forward. I don't I don't see an issue with that going forward. Um, yeah, to be honest, I, I I honestly feel like it's going to be a good thing. I think a lot of a lot of small businesses are going to be able to jump off that because the main issue with small businesses was always the fact of I have to be able to afford a lease. Yeah. I'll be able to rent a spot. You you can now start a business with no storefront. You can now have a corporation with no with no headquarters. That that cost of having a storefront or a headquarters for a corporation is done. You you can literally have a Fortune 300 400 company where you literally have a little office for just the admin staff and everybody else is remotely, right? You, the hiring spectrum has now opened up. You no longer have to only result to hire people who are in your area. I've, I've been a part of the hiring game. A lot of times you need somebody to do a specific skill, but nobody in your city has that skill. You can now hire somebody from a different country or a different region of the country or a different region of your own country to work for you to do this. Have them work remotely, check in. You don't you no longer have to worry about the fact of I can't find a programmer that has these skills that lives in my city. How am I gonna do this? You know what I mean? You can hire somebody from a whole different country uh, to get that done for you. So I think 
I think just having that expand is, is huge. Um, yeah, I definitely think the world's going to change, man. I think, I think it's going to change in a good way in terms of, uh, I think it's going to change in a good way in terms of families people being yeah. able to raise their kids and people being closer to their kids and you're with your kids every day. I think it's going to bring back that family dynamic. I think it's going to change in a way of work-life balance, like you said. I think it's going to be negative in a way of... Um, I think it's going to be negative in a way of people's interactions with other people. I think the way we interact with people is going to change. Because we don't oh, yeah. know if we don't know if COVID is going to be a seasonal thing like the flu and come back every year. We don't even have uh, a, um, a vaccine for it, but we do get a vaccine. No one's going to want to take it because no one knows if the vaccine is going to cause blindness 30 years from now. I, I think it's going to change the way that we look at each other. If anybody we already do. now on, people are going to jump. Anybody sneezes now on, people are going to jump. Anybody, I think, I think a lot of things are going to change. I was thinking about this the other day. I think one thing that's gonna die is buffets. Being dead ass with you. I know, I know, I know it's jokes, but like people are no, not I can see that. That's a lot of people. Because in buffets, you got people breathing literally over food. Yeah. I think I think fast food restaurants are still gonna be the same. I think fine dining is still gonna be the same. But I think just a less capacity. The, the epitome of a buffet is gonna change, right? Like what the the actual going to a Mandarin or, and I'm not saying Mandarin because it's Asian, just going to any buffet at all. Yeah. It's just going to diversity change. Remember the other day, me and you went to um, Italy. Italy. Oh, yeah, before, before, yeah, before, yeah. Right? Ain't nobody going to Italy no more. But haven't, didn't you hear in the news? All, all escape rooms and stuff like that here in Toronto are permanently shutting down. But I'm saying, so like even, indoor, even, no, I'm, I know, I'm saying indoor gaming escape rooms, all those forms of entertainment where you have to have people in a cramped space. So buffets, like you said, um, the Dave escape rooms, indoor, all those things like are permanently Play shutting Jones. down because they can't guarantee first off cleanliness and they need, and so many people go to these places and share the games and touch them and all these different things. So yeah, it's changing. Yeah, I think, I think the epitome of a buffet is not, no one's going to want to go to a buffet anymore. The fact that you have to sit down and eat food that people have been breathing over, and then yeah, someone's just coming and throw more meat, more rice on top, no one's going to that no more, right? I think, like, it, it's going to, I definitely ain't going to no buffets anymore. I see what you're saying when it comes to Palladium and Dave and & Buster's and, like, even the Sky Zone, these places where you're playing the same game, somebody touched, jumping on the trampoline, yeah. these little things. Me and my niece, I used to take her all the time to Sky Zone, all the time to Playstation, all the time to Dave and Buster's. That's that's her thing. She's a she loves games, right? But I don't think that's gonna be a thing anymore going forward. I just think it's it's just just little things like that in society are just gonna drastically change. But like I, said, I, I, th I think it's I think it's here and there, right? I think I think a lot of people in the future. I think. Going back to work-life balance, right? I think a lot of people in the future. I remember, remember when, remember how um, everybody always wants to like travel through Europe, right, or travel through Asia, or mm -hmm. they should want to travel through Africa, but that's not a thing. I'm not going to jump into that, but whatever. People like to travel through continents, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's Europe, Asia, um, 
North America, basically, right? People haven't got equipped to traveling to South America and Africa just yet, right? But it's fine. It's going to come. What I'm saying is, I think to do that in the past, you always needed to have a large sum of money. You needed to be of a certain economic wealth and have a large sum of money that you can literally take six months off your rent or six months off your life and just travel and come back and know that everything's going to be okay. You have to be a certain economic level to do that, right? I think people have tried to backpack through it, but then there's complications with that, right? There's women being kidnapped in hostels, if you watch. What's that movie with Liam Neeson? Take it. Watch right. Take it, right? Or, or there's, there's people being ripped off because they're getting paid on the table. Anyone can pay you anything they want to, right? So you have to deal with the harassment of that. I think going forward, if everyone's working remotely, Right? I think a lot of kids coming out of university in the next five years, like 2025 graduates, their whole thing is going to be like, yo, let me get a job. I can work remotely. I can travel through all of Europe. I just got to make sure I'm on the clock, nine to five, whatever the time zone is of where, where my job is set. And after that, I can go to the beach. I can go travel. I can go snorkel. I can go on excursions. I can enjoy life. It's going to give, I think before, being able to see the world was something that only the rich could do. The rich or the most adventurous. The rich could do it because they had the financial backing to fuck off a year of their life and do it. And the most adventurous could do it because they're okay staying in hostels or living by the, by, by the day, right? But now I think everybody has a chance to do it. If I'm working for a company and all I need is a laptop and I can go live by the day basically, right? I'm getting paid every two weeks the same amount of money in my currency transfer over to this currency, I got more money, right? I think this idea of being able to travel through the world is going to be huge now, right? Because the idea of I'm working my job from home the same way I would be, I'm getting paid, and I can travel through the world. I Why not, right? I think that's mm-hmm. going to be a huge thing going forward, right? Um, so there's good things that are going to come out of this, to be honest. A lot of good things coming out of this. I think a lot of companies, their hiring perspective is going to be, it's going to go way beyond just people in their city. Yeah. Right? It's going to be like, I can now hire anybody across the world. There's complications with that, right? I don't know if you're really going to have to check visas. I don't know how the hiring process will work. But being able to have an organization of not only a multicultural organization representing people in that multicultural city, but being able to have a global organization of people in actual different cultures is actually going to bring the world. I think the world is going to come together when it comes to the workplace like that. Okay. I can see that. I think this, yeah, I think I think it's it's really going to change the way that uh, we interact with each other. We're going to have to wait and see what actually comes up and happens since the first all the economies have to open back up and first have recovery, and then we'll see what happens after that. To be honest, and I said this from the very beginning, I don't think, and I, what everybody was telling me when we left work in March, and everyone's like, oh, this is only going to last until April. It's only going to last until May. I said, nah, bro. Nah. It's still, it's still going on now. And all these people protesting. It seems like everybody forgot about COVID-19, <laughs> which, is funny to, which is funny to me. But I don't think they forgot. No, I, I I think a lot it's just of people not, you know, it's funny. It's just, know it's just COVID nineteen is happening, it's, but it's just not important. Yeah, I think I, I think a lot of people are showing the testament where they're going against their health to protest something, right? Which which I respect. So I'm not I respect that. Yeah. 
But at the same time, a lot of people said fuck COVID-19, right? And I think, I think what people are waiting for is people are waiting to see who is protesting in all of these cities and if the COVID-19 goes up. Because if a month from now, we don't see these hospitals filled with people with new cases, people are going to start questioning things, right? I, I told you from the very beginning when this thing started, I think that COVID-19, I'm scratching my leg, and I'm doing that thing I want to scratch my balls, but whatever. I think, I think that, I said from the beginning, right? I think that COVID-19 is going to affect certain people, people with pre preconditioned, people who are obviously older. It's literally a baby boomer killer. Mm -hmm. COVID-19 should be relabeled the baby boomer killer, right? But mm -hmm. I, I think there's people who are just naturally immune to it. And I think when we see a month from now, if all these people who are protesting downtown and all these cities, if they, if they don't have COVID-19, it doesn't mean COVID-19 is fake. It doesn't mean you should go out there and be a jackass. It kind of just means that what I've been saying from the beginning, COVID-19 is only going to affect certain people. I literally believe that there are people who can walk outside with no mask, touch something, rub their eyes, mouth, and face, and not catch nothing. And I think there's another person who's going to do that, and they're going to die. So I think it's, it's the same thing as the Spanish flu, right? The Spanish flu, people went back inside, came back outside, died, and then the people got immune to it. It's literally... It's well, there were two waves of the Spanish flu. There was the first initial wave, then they thought it had died down, and then it came back, and then it lasted all the way to, like, 1920-something. So it lasted yeah, for, like, yeah. another year. So there was, like, the initial phase. It went kind of away, and then it came back with a fierce resurgence where even more people died, and then it went away and never came back. Yeah, and it went away because people built up an immune system to it. So what I'm saying is, like, this COVID-19 thing is the same thing as Darwinism. It's survival of the fittest, right? And I think that certain people's bodies are just immune to it, and these people are going to survive COVID-19. And if your body is not immune to it, then you're just going to die. It's or you could just get severely ill and recover, and just, your body just have an issue yes, later on. Yes, What I'm saying is, like, I'm not a religious person, but I believe that it's, it's just, if you want to use God, you can use God. But I believe that this is just a way of the earth just cleansing itself of a few humans. Sometimes the earth has got to do a cleanse, man. Well, that's and what pandemics are. Yeah, they happen every how many years? That's what I'm saying. They're just saying, yo, we're going to cleanse ourselves of a few humans. We're just going to let a few humans just die off so we can restart. You know what I mean? And, it's, mm. and it's, it's, that's basically what I think what it is. So I think that certain people are just going to go outside and not catch it. Some people are. And we're just going to cleanse ourselves and we're going to start fresh, right? I think the majority of people who are going to die are going to be baby boomers. So that whole, the greatest generation. The greatest generation is now they're going to go out, to be honest. I'm not going to have jokes about that. I'm going to get out. The greatest generation, this is it. My parents are baby boomers. I definitely ain't making jokes. But this is what it is, right? And I think, sadly, the TikTok generation is going to survive. So, like, you know, you get to go with the bad, right? But and I, I think that's honestly what it is. I think that it's, it's wiping out who it needs to wipe out. It's survival of the fittest. And the people that are, the people that are surviving are the people whose body has adapted to it. And that, that's literally what, what it's going to be going forward. That's just what I believe. That's just what I, I think it's going to come and go. But I can also see the theories about it as it's going to be a seasonal thing and it's going to come every year and 
that would suck. If this comes or it could go year, away and come back in a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But imagine this came seasonally. Imagine every season, every year, this comes, kills off a bunch of people. And then the rest of us, imagine every yeah. single year, imagine every single year this happens. We have to stay at home. We have to, we have Most to the population will be dead. Every, every single year. That's why I keep saying that like remote work and all of these things remotely is going to become a thing because I, I think that eventually skip the dishes, Uber Eats, um, what's the other one? Skip the DoorDash. I think a lot of these companies are going to start making money too. Well, they already are making money, but I think these companies are going to start moving up. They're going to get to the level of the Googles and the Amazons eventually, right? It was very smart. But I, I, I think even the way that we absorb TV, like, I think I think being able to film a TV show or movie is definitely going to be the challenge going forward. Uh, but I think the way that we absorb TV, this is going to be it. I've been saying some time that movie theaters are not going to exist anymore. And I think going forward, when a movie comes out, it's not going to come out movie theaters. A movie is going to come out, and Netflix or Crave or Hulu, whoever is going to buy the rights, and they're all going to air it on the same day. The same way how millions of people tuned in to the Michael Jordan documentary last day. Mm-hmm. It's the same way how there's going to be a new movie coming out with Seth Rogen or Eddie Murphy or Denzel Washington or whoever, and it's going to appear on this night on Friday, and everyone's going to tune in, and it's going to be huge. And I think that's how it's going to be, and everyone's going to be like, oh my God, did you tune in to Netflix to see the new movie? Netflix has been doing that with their original stuff. But I think going forward, like, obviously Netflix and Disney do that because they can have original content. But I think going forward, that's how, like, the movie industry is going to be. Like, Paramount and Fox and all these movie companies are going to have to get used to that. Like, it's no longer going to be theaters. They're going to, they're literally going to have to make money off the streets the way the artists. Is it? It'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to see what, what, what happens with COVID going forward, but. Other than that, yeah, it's just uh, another day, it's another week, I get to see how this meeting on Thursday is going to go. They're basically letting us get to have a two-hour meeting and we get to say our piece without the threat of being fired. I can't wait. I I tell everybody, I'm going to be as real as possible. If I get to say what I want to say without the threat of being fired, then I'm going to be as honest as I possibly can if that's the case. For the first time I can say what I want to say without without being canned, all right, I'm going to say what I got to say then. But um, yeah, man, other than that, life is the same. There really ain't nothing new, to be honest. It's same shit every day. I'm about to leave here and go cook some food for the rest of the week, meal prep, even though I'm working from home. This way, during my lunches, I can just grab the meal and heat it up and eat it. Um, and I'm probably going to watch a movie before I go to bed on Netflix. And that's really what life I've come to. That's every- At least you get to stay home. I don't get to stay home. Yeah, I feel free. You might catch COVID. Thanks. You might catch it and be immune to it. Or I could die. So thank you for wishing that on me. It's awesome. I'm not wishing it on you. Well, you can die.
But this is this is what life has uh, become now, to be honest. Sadly. Yeah, man, I don't, I don't really got nothing left to say. I think I said it all in the first 40 minutes or an hour, however long that was in the beginning, but I don't really got nothing left to say. It is what it is. I know things are not going to change. Uh, depending on what happens next week, I might talk about this next week. I might not. I might give it five minutes, to be honest, just if there's any updates. I know that the protests did help the cop be arrested. The fact that all this had to happen, for the cops to be arrested. All of the cops involved. All of this had to happen. And it's not just them being arrested, it's also about getting the cop who the cop to get the charge increased because originally he was being charged with third degree murder, is, which was practically nothing. I agree. But the fact that all of this had to happen to hold the cop accountable shows how extensive white privilege. Yeah, all yeah. Of these people in every state in America, in multiple countries across the world, had to come together literally just to make sure that this cop was held accountable on the correct charge, as you just stated, shows how heavy white privilege is. Different days, same shit, man. I got nothing left to say. All right. You guys can let us know what you guys think of this episode in the comments because we're on YouTube and then we're also obviously through the podcast. Leave our podcast a review. We'd like to hear about it. And maybe in the next episode, we'll get a follow-up on what happens at his meeting. Yeah, definitely a follow-up. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to say what I got to say. I know my boy is going to say what he's got to say. I know the main, the main Black executive that got us all together, she's probably going to pander her ass to hell. That's not the part that matters. It matters is you getting to say what you have to say and see and, and finding out what happens oh, after. No, everything so. matters. Everything matters. I already know what's going to happen. The black people who are going to be very boisterous are going to say what they have to say. People are going to pretend to care. They're going to pander to us at work in the email. And then it's going to go back to normal. And the black executive who's running the meeting is going to pander to everybody white at work. Oh, I know. I'm just saying that what's important is that you get to say what you have to say. That's what I was talking about. I agree with you. I agree with you. I just know it's not going to do nothing. I think what I hate is the fact that she's narrating it. So what I don't want is after every black person speaks, she comes on after and softens up their message for the white audience. So for instance, I give my speech and then she comes on after and she's like, guys, that was so great what Justin said. What Justin was trying to talk about, no, no, bitch, bitch, bitch. I just said what I was talking about. Don't 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 pray on it for them. I just said it. They heard me say it. You don't have to massage it into them, right? But I know that's what's gonna happen, to be honest. But I'll give you guys an update next week on exactly how that meeting went. That probably will be that probably will be the majority of what I gotta say in the podcast next week, to be honest. But I'll I'll let you guys know the step by step of what exactly happened. Hopefully it doesn't happen the way I'm thinking it's gonna happen, but I'll give you guys the lowdown of what's going to happen next week. But that's it. All right. We'll see you in the next one.